Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome back to the Steven Universe podcast. I'm Mackenzie Atwood, and today we're continuing our discussion about Reunited with creator Rebecca Sugar and former executive producer Ian Jones-Cordy. They're both sitting here with me, and I'm going to jump right in because we have got a lot to talk about. So from the beginning, uh, what made you guys want to kick off this episode with the song? Yeah, um, the song was a really late addition. Early on, the um, episode was going to open with Stephen banging on a vending machine, trying to get get a bag of chips out (laughs) of it. Yeah, a bag of chaps out of it, (laughs) Um, which was supposed to set up the diamonds eventually doing the same thing to the earth to try and get the cluster out of it. Yeah. But we were sort of looking at the episode and how much we just had to reintroduce in order for it to make any sort right. of sense. And we knew we needed something big and uplifting. And we wanted to know where Steven's head was at. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the thing about the show always being from Steven's point of view and the thing about incorporating singing and dancing is that when a character is going through something really nuanced, we like to do it through music because you can get so much more of a sense of what that feeling is. And so being able to contrast the sort of melancholy complexity of his feelings about everything he's learned with his like manic need for some sort of positivity really lent itself to a song like this. Also, this this episode in particular was such a long time in the making. I remember talking about the arm wrestling stuff like so early. Oh, like, really basically, basically when... When we, we were came working up on the cluster. the cluster, yeah, we were like, "Oh, how is this going to end?" It's like, "Well, it's going to have a fake out, then it'll come back yeah. and actually be a friend." Um, um, armship, armship, arm wrestling the cluster yeah. was a really early, yeah, really early. That's why we had to see those armships like super early. Although, yeah, <laughs> I but, think we, I think we had the armships and we had the cluster. We had the ingredients. Yeah, and we had we were the ingredients. Like, we got It's got to yeah. be an arm wrestling. And then. But I think the thing about the song, too, is that um, because this episode was so long in the making, a lot of it has to do with tracking where certain characters are, what certain characters are doing, like, you know, and the song really had to kind of cover all of that ground. Right. Here's how Stephen feels. Here's Bismuth. Here's how Pearl feels. Here's where the cluster is. Here's where... Lapis is, you know, it's like everything. Right. Like, where is Peridot's mental state? It's like all there. Yeah, we in the need song. everybody. Yeah. You need to know where everybody is before something this and it, climactic. It, it could have just been like a couple scenes of people like talking about like what's going on, but that's no fun. Yeah, this is more <laughs> right. This gives you more information faster and with more depth behind it. Just yeah. the way you know the way that they're singing about. It's it. a much more entertaining way to, to bring people up to speed. Than just doing yeah. a last time on Steven Universe. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So what exactly, like, musically are we talking about influences that went into the song? Uh, at the time, I was studying a lot of old musicals, especially Judy Garland musicals. There was this one, there's this one song, it's like Judy Garland and Gene Kelly. I think it's called For Me and My Gal in Loveland, 
mm-hmm. with me and my gal, something like that. It's a sort of a wedding themed song. It's really cute. Ding dong, ding dong. Can you hear the bells go ding dong? Do you know? Do you know why they're ringing? It's really old Hollywood. The bells are ringing for me and my gal. The birds are singing for me and my gal. We're going to build a little home for two or three or four or more. And then they tap dance. It's really, really sweet. And I was watching that a lot at the time. I was also really obsessed with how people would sing and then stop and talk and then launch back into singing. I love that kind of stuff. And I got to say, that is really hard to coordinate. This was one of the hardest. This was so hard to do to get the timing right because everything has to be really locked for time in animation so mm-hmm. like we didn't have a lot of wiggle room like i had to figure mm-hmm. out singing and then there, there has to be this long of a gap while people are talking and then they ended up you know if they if they went read over things a little yeah, slower we had to like fit. loop a piece exactly. of music just to get it inside and i don't think this is the necessarily the normal way to set something like this but up I, but but i know you and ivy and Srashu had for a while wanted to do a big like broadway number and you know yeah i mean is, i've always wanted to do yeah. that so so this was like you know dipping the toes into that and then you just like <laughs> went was, for it i was thinking about well there's a lot of musical influences in this there's a comedy tonight from funny thing happened on the way to the forum which mm-hmm. which is one of these songs that it's like singing and singing and and raucous and fun and then everyone stops and monologues for and a little bit yeah. and then they they launch back into singing i used to watch that movie over and over again when i was a kid a funny thing happened on the way to the forum. I love Zero Mostel. And uh, then there's a lot of Fiddler on the Roof influences in this episode. Actually, you know, the whole wedding leading into right. this horrific... Fu- I mean, that's... It's that's just, straight out from Fiddler. It's Fiddler. Yeah, yeah. Huh. I love... That's the other movie that I watched. <laughs> <laughs> Fiddler. I watched a lot of Fiddler as a kid. The thing about the cluster really stuck out to me because I feel like I don't even remember the last time it got name-dropped in the show because, yeah, you sort of had to tie up all these loose ends. Was that hard, like, to think about having all these plot threads? And, like, I feel like that would be kind of, I don't know, daunting. Well, sure. I mean, this deep into the show, there there were a lot of moving parts to work with. Um, but we I knew remember. what we wanted to do with all of these things. Yeah. So it was sort of mm. a matter of figuring out how yeah. to put the puzzle pieces together. But we had the pieces. I remember really early on us talking about the idea of Stephen befriending this cluster and then we yeah that was from a writer's meeting from like what 2015 exactly 2014 i think at that writer's meeting we didn't have the full ending yet but we knew he wanted to befriend it and then it was gonna help in some way and then things just started to come together and we we talked about different ways that it could because it can't fully emerge from the earth or it's going to split it apart so sort of how do we create a relationship with this character, but they have to basically stay underground. Exactly. They but, have to kind of like become the earth. And when they emerge, they, yeah, they yeah. emerged only a fraction of them. Yeah. So the implication that there's more that you. It's basically like if the planet just had a giant arm sticking out of it at all times. Well, we should have left it. You should have left it out. <laughs> it's not, it's very uncomfortable for the cluster That's to, true. to That's be true. in that position. Yeah. No. He wants to chill in the bubble. Understandable. Another thing was the new outfits. Everybody had their wedding outfit. What's the process like for that, designing outfit for the whole cast? Um, a lot of that came from Katie Mitroff. Katie storyboarded a lot of the song sequence, and Joe Johnston did a lot of work on it, too. And Katie came up with a lot of the wedding outfits. Some of them were already established, like Pearl. Pearl already. I always wanted yeah. another reason for Pearl to wear her tux, but 
like amethyst sort of semi-casual suit and peridot's dress all of that i remember that's the, coming from katie the garnet wedding outfit that was also that went through a lot yeah, of went through a lot of trial and yeah. error well the thing about garnet's wedding outfit is that originally when the fight started garnet was going to grab a chunk of the dress and tear, and it, tear off. it off yeah but we went through a lot of back and forth about whether or not gem clothing can do that because it's not real and what happens to the piece she tears does it turn into sparkles and uh, it probably would it yeah i think it yeah. did that's the thing yeah. um you it know but then turn into sparkles, she has sort right. of a ripped dress and then it was like does that sort of is that going to look hardcore or is it going to look like she's taken some damage before she's even started fighting there's yeah. like a lot of debate over what we should do mm. with the dress so what we ended up having was half of a board designed with a torn yeah, wedding right. outfit yeah and so we ended up creating a an asymmetrical it just look. It just has this big swath taken out of it, so that you can see. Which worked out really well because you can see all the elements of of the dress, the, the sort the, of tux yeah, dress tux, yeah. combo, and it's and it's interesting and specific. But it's one of those I really like designs that are born out of necessity, and we had to come up with something that was going to work both as this sort of battle torn battle outfit that existed, and also as a cool and interesting wedding outfit for Garnet. So this thing ended up doing double duty for both of the scenes i, I really like yeah how sure. that came out and it, the asymmetrical quality of it i think makes it really specific mm -hmm. and interesting also a fun detail i really liked about the wedding outfits was seeing ronaldo in his armor oh i think i, I think i did you, did i you, think i pitched that everyone it's all stuff yeah. that happens in the room and then ronaldo like clearly like mansplaining to bismuth like this is what armor is it's really important <laughs> yeah <laughs> the face that yeah bismuth gives is, is a really good one <laughs> yeah it's super good he also pulls out the sword back yeah the, yeah, the, yeah sword. the sword comes <laughs> back too yeah the armor's a deep yeah, but it's a super the deep armor cut. was what's it? That was a patch long, long ago. Also, I think um, for Keep Beach City Weird. For, yeah, yeah, for Keep yeah. Beach City Weird, right? He also had, you really wanted him to have this baton. <laughs> okay, okay. Actually, yeah, hold on. That's true. This isn't about oh the my, wedding. No, this is right. This no, is gonna be the Keep Beach City Weird podcast. In, in Keep Beach City Weird, he originally had a baton that he oh he had he, like, one of the, extended a baton. He extended a baton and, and Stephen with this with got. It. Can we even talk about this? It was, got flagged it was, and removed. It was so violent, and then we didn't know what <laughs> to do. Like self defense baton. It became a potato. But then he yeah, hits, I I changed it to a potato. He hit Stephen. And he, like, pulled out a potato and hits. <laughs> Same um, we got to bring that back. He like Ronaldo's just throwing potatoes at people. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. We don't have to. Be yeah, there. that's okay. I like the sword. Yeah, the sword. Yeah, the sword is like better. Sword yeah, for sure. He he ordered that. He ordered that off the internet for sure. Yes, <laughs> I think he got it at Delmarvicon. We oh, actually he, know oh, that's true. Yes, he yes, got it. At he got it at Delmarvicon. Del that's true. Who would have thought? Yeah, we'd be here talking about. I know <laughs> about potatoes. About and potatoes. Batons. Yeah, and Ronaldo. Yeah. One other uh, wedding outfit thing I wanted to ask about was um, Ruby and Sapphire. Um, Rebecca, I saw you posted like a bunch of sketches and stuff mm -hmm. on your Instagram. I think. Of, like, their outfits, like, way from back in, like, 2015 or something? Mm-hmm. How long ago did these concepts sort of date back for the outfits? Very old. I think the earliest sort of dress-suit combo for them dates back to, like, 2014. 
Um, Is that the first wow. time you pitched the wedding? The wedding, I think I started pitching it in 2015 or early 2016. Okay. Which the earliest versions of the story, it was just Garnet. Garnet was going. Yeah, Garnet. It was. Right. It used to be called "If You Love Yourself So Much," mm-hmm. and it was going to be Garnet marrying herself. It was more like a self-contained. Yes, it episode. was. It was one episode, yeah. and I just wanted to see her like put a, put, put a, a ring, ring on, on both her own on both fingers. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and dance with herself. All of this ended up in reunited in a, mm-hmm. in a very different way, but we struggled to get that through. Yeah. But th- I think that was like the first time I that remember when seeing I started those, trying seeing those mm-hmm. outfits. Yeah, the most of the ones were from 2016. Yeah, the the ones that are actually the the drawings that we used, mm-hmm. and then some of the old like 2014, 2015 drawings that I modified to have the flowers. Right, which I was basing mm-hmm. off a friend of mine whose wedding we went to her wedding. This really beautiful wedding with a friend of mine who had these really specific flowers in her hair that I wanted to use for. Ruby. For Ruby, yeah. So I took some 2014 drawings, I modified them with the flowers, and we ended up reffing those too. Awesome. Okay, cool. I think this is a good place to transition into like all the action and combat that takes place in Reunited. So let's talk about the cluster and, of course, seeing the diamonds in full combat coming up. Rebecca and Ian are here talking with me about Reunited, and this is the first time we've seen the diamonds in full combat. So... How did you go about directing their, like, fight debut? <laughs> well, I was excited for Mickey Brewster to oh, yeah. <laughs> take yeah. it on. Because Mickey does these incredible fights. Mm-hmm. Uh, and blue, blue and yellow have really different fighting styles. So we wanted to show what blue yeah. can do. Uh, but Mickey invented a lot of the orbs and lasers and the ways Yeah, that was really good. When Blue cries and, you know, can make that field that goes over everybody, mm-hmm. that was first introduced in uh, the trial. Right, in the trial. Um, but that, like, that was also, like, a really long-running sort of idea. We were, like, because we had sort of um, different abilities that all of the diamonds had. Mm-hmm. And... Um, that power in particular, I remember we had like early ideas on like, oh, how would she use this like in like a battle? Right. You the know. idea that she can yeah manip- manipulate people emotionally to make yeah. them not mm-hmm. even have the capacity to fight. Mm-hmm. That was very early. And this was always intended to be something that would become very lapis centric. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. You know, that's. I, I think th- once we realized that that was her power. It was like an obvious step to have Lapis be in opposition to that. One of the earliest ways we would talk about this fight, there's there are a lot of very Wizard of Oz inspired mm-hmm. things in Steven Universe. Oh yeah, because Wizard, the Wizard of Oz oh, is really? a piece of sci-fi fantasy. Yeah, and that, it, and it's also kind of about like this core that, group of four characters. Um, yeah, there's a there's a know, ton of Wizard of Oz parallels. There's a ton. Mm-hmm. Wizard of Oz and Sleeping Beauty are probably the two most that we like talk about in the right. Yeah, that we talk about like in the right and, and maybe a little bit of Cinderella. Yeah. But that's it's very aesthetic. It's not as <laughs> yeah, there's really more, core themes yeah. of, of um But Wizard of Oz is really like that that is something that we think about a lot. And yeah. yeah, this this fight in This fight, you know, it was like we're gonna drop we're gonna drop a house on blue. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's the thing. Yeah. Gonna, we're gonna <laughs> drop a we're gonna drop the barn on blue. That was like the earliest yep. plan. Mm-hmm. Um 
which is why we you know we had to set up that she was taking the barn exactly. but it was really all very much in order to put her in a yeah. position where we could drop a house on a blue dime <laughs> it is kind of funny <laughs> yeah you, we really we really did kind of have to um sort of like torture the characters a little bit well, we just, to like but this is get a, them yeah. to get the setup for well but it's them it, to come back together. not that it didn't i think it all makes sense and i think yeah. her you know it has everything to do with who lapis exactly is that she wants to isolate herself mm-hmm. that she like we wanted this moment and we wanted this image yeah uh and it fits so well with all of the stuff we were trying to build up with the characters yeah. individually and then also her being able to confront i mean there's something really interesting also about lapis confronting blue because she is a, a member of blue's court originally yeah. we don't really get to dig into right. that yeah we don't too much um you know but there is a an element to her being able to stand up to blue that's a little bit i mean this is like a a parent that abandoned her a little bit that's like very not addressed but yeah you know these characters are not taking care of the gems that they generate it's part of the yeah problem with their exactly. whole mm. system is that they just they make people and then they just throw them out into this cold unfeeling mm-hmm. universe with no support but a moment like this for lapis i think was kind of a long time coming it was sort of just seeing how far this character could go Without sort of taking a side in and she the fight. Need, she needs to, yeah. yeah, once she can get to the point where she can start making choices, because she feels so manipulated by everyone else. Right. You know, the thing that's got to shift for Lapis is that she starts making decisions for herself that she can, you know, feel like she had control over. Because she's always grappling for some sort of control, and then she's scared when she has it because she doesn't know right. if she's going to do something awful with it. Like, she just doesn't have that solid foundation. So now that she can really put a stake in something that she believes in and make a decision for herself about what she wants to do, you know, that that changes everything. Yeah. The Another thing about standing up to Blue, Garnet had a moment like that, too. I mean, it was tied into Lapis's, but... Well, yes, and, and yeah. Blue was the original person to threaten... To threaten Garnet. Garnet. Yeah. And that's very, very deep in Garnet's character, something that she... And I remember that being something that you guys were always tracking of making sure, you know, when you're dealing with Blue, that Garnet's... Garnet has a very personal... Yeah, that Garnet's feelings um, about it are, like, very apparent and represented on screen. Yeah. Yeah. And she's afraid of Blue. She's terrified of Blue. She's angry at Blue. She, like, the stuff with Stephen's dream is all about Garnet and Blue. Right. You know, this is some... This is another thing that she really had to... And I think she... Because she goes through this arc and she is now married and is very, very solid in exactly who she is. And it's not something that, that a lot of, a lot of this arc is about people taking control of their own lives and not, you know, doing things for other people's reasons. You know, Garnet is now mm-hmm. so solidly herself. And I don't think that walking up to Blue and confronting her is something she could have done before this arc because she just wasn't ready, you know, but this is the point where she can, really stand up to this person because she just knows she knows what they're doing is right and it's something that's a choice that they made it's a choice that she made so that part was really crucial to show but also she yeah. can see that the barn is coming so she's got to do something yeah, exactly. <laughs> something to keep her in the exact right position to be hit by the barn right the diamonds crashing garnet's wedding is also interesting and in, in, in terms of just timing you know what made you want to like put those two ideas together? The idea of the wedding that's been a thing for so long and then this looming threat of the diamonds. Like, What made you decide to link them together? Oh, there are many reasons. 
I mean, I suppose at first it's fiddler. This is mm-hmm. a, a fiddlerism. Mm-hmm. This, you know, this beautiful wedding that, you know, is yeah. is something that that is so personal, you know, and had to be fought for and and hard won and then it gets the celebrating gets interrupted by all of this. But the idea of, you know, a wedding getting War. disrupted by a fight, I mean, you know, what's... what's that's, some, that's some classic... Yeah, what, <laughs> I mean, what's better than that? But we, yeah, we needed, to do, we needed to do this. Well, one of the things that was important to me is that the, the diamonds are not going to interrupt the wedding itself. Like, yes. And that's yeah. also the thing. That's also true in Fiddler is that they the wedding, finish the they wedding. They finish the wedding and you then... Know, but the celebration yeah. gets exactly. interrupted. And... Um, mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to see the whole thing through, but also in order to have this climactic fight, the Crystal Gems really had to be reunited. I mean, they couldn't be mm-hmm. fractured in the way that they were right before they show up. So it's like all of these loose threads, all of these disjointed things that have been flipped upside down because of everyone finding out about right. Pink Diamond. Right. Um, everybody needed to be an even more solid version of the Crystal Gems than they had ever been mm-hmm. before. Or else the fight wouldn't be, you know... Well, they wouldn't, wouldn't be able to do it. Yeah, and it wouldn't have yeah. a clear. It wouldn't have a clear goal and clear sides that they were on. Everybody kind of needed to, you know, Bismuth needed to come back, and Stephen needed to make peace with that, and Ruby and Sapphire had to get through their stuff, and Pearl had to get through her stuff, and yeah, they, Amethyst needed to like step up, and then Stephen needed to see the whole team together. Right. right. I think one of the most critical things to talk about before the fight was everything that Bismuth was able to say to Stephen in the Forge, which is that, you know, essentially they have to have a completely different purpose because the Crystal Gems were founded on something that, you know, is at this point kind of nullified and and they have to discover what they're fighting for again. And then Stephen has to realize that he's sort of at the the center of that, that he's become, you know, and... Until when Garnet is back, Garnet represents so much of that also. And, and once she's back, she can lead. But they have to re, re-figure out what they're fighting for. And once the diamonds show up, they, they know. Mm-hmm. I think initially his plan, which is like to somehow just forget about everything and only think about Garnet and nothing else. I mean, that's not a, a sustainable plan. Exactly. Um, right. You know, the, the reality is still there. But to be able to remember that what they're fighting for is each other and not some abstract concept from a person who they no longer know if they could really particularly trust. Like they trust each other, you know, they have each other. They had to reaffirm that and find a new reason to be a team, which they do. And and that's really, that's why this all had to happen now or why it couldn't have happened any sooner. I mean, can you imagine if they just showed up, you know, 15 episodes before this, everything would be just like, they would just it would get. Be, they would have gotten crushed. Yeah, it would have. They would have been yeah. a mess. Yeah. They, and so much of so much of writing the show has always been um, sort of coming up with an image or an idea of what we want to do or what we want to see, and then kind of figuring out what the most fun way to do that is, or the most exciting way to show it is. And I think you know that's a, a real big reason of why this came together. One of the things I'm always trying to do with the show is show how sort of positive relationships and fostering positive relationships with friends and family and communication and sort of personal growth and emotional stability, how that equates to strength. And we try to do that through fusions because literally they're literally relationships. And the more 
strong that relationship is and the more positive that relationship is, you know, the more you see how that character, you know, is strong and healthy and positive as a, as a person. So it's, and then they can fight and they can fight well, they can. So this is, I think, tied into all of those same themes. It's like the, yes, the characters are entering this climactic fight, but they're able to fight because they had this joyful time together because they mm. reconnected with each other because they take the time to be together as a family. This equates to strength. That is what makes them strong. And if you can take the time to care about each other and yourself, you will be stronger in the next thing you do, you know, right. be and, it and your community. Yeah. yeah and your community, your, right. your community will be stronger. And if you need to get something done, if you need to fight for something that's impossible to fight for taking care of yourself and your, and your family and your friends, that is such a critical part of it. And it can't be mm-hmm. separated out. You know, which is why this episode, it can't be separated out. You have to have both things in there. You have to have it all. Yeah. You know. Yeah. All right. So we can't leave without talking about the wedding and the amazing response you guys received from fans around the world. So we'll get into all of that coming up. All right. So I really want to talk about the like actual wedding, Garnet's wedding. And Rebecca, I know that this is something that you've had in your back pocket for a really long time. What kind of, you know, challenges and hurdles did you have along the way bringing this to the fans? It's hard to know where to start. I mean, this has been the fight since the beginning. In terms Mm -hmm. of like, you know, the wedding in particular, I mean, how many forms did it take? How many different pitches? There were like multiple versions. There were multiple versions of the first one and then the first one. We yeah. just, we, it, it couldn't get couldn't through. It couldn't get through no matter what. Um, and I think I, I put a, a pin in it. I wanted to find a new way to approach it mm-hmm. after struggling with getting it through the first time. Yeah. And then when we started bringing it back, you know, the wedding was not unlike the conversations about many of the episodes, which were ongoing conversations about why I felt like we should be able to show these characters being with each other. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just made sense for the characters and who they are. And it was honest to, well, we had done, this is so for Ruby and Sapphire, I had wanted to do all the different kinds of love stories. You know, we did Mm -hmm. the sort of fairy tale origin. Well, we start in jailbreak. Mm -hmm. We introduced them. That's, Mm -hmm. that was big. And that was our, that's the beginning of, yeah. Having to champion this and explain it and contextualize mm-hmm. it and talk about why it we want to do it, why we need to do it, why these characters have to be how they are. Mm-hmm. You know, then we wanted to do, you know, fairy tale origin story. Yeah. We did a rom com with the baseball episode. Uh-huh. We wanted to do it. <laughs> one where they rom com. One where they have like a wacky fight with each other. Yes, yeah, yeah. Make up the breakup and, and, and super making up. Yeah, yeah we wanted mm-hmm. to do one of those. So like the wedding was that's endgame. It's the ultimate romantic yeah genre for them and and, i mean we've talked about this before about ruby and sapphire but as cartoon characters you know they kind of represent a sort of like classic couple Mm -hmm. aside the fact of what they represent in real life within the show and within their status as cartoon characters it's important that they get to have everything that 
classic cartoon couples get to have. Yeah, who, who they are, are they are a classic know, cartoon, exactly. adorable cartoon couple. You know, but the, right. but when we introduced them, I was told these characters cannot they can't be, be in that. a romantic yeah. relationship. Mm-hmm. And I said they are. Right. They <laughs> Garnet we, sings a, Garnet sings a song about how they're in love with each other and they're in love with each other they and they're just, a couple. They yeah. just are. We it's there's nothing we can do about that. Yeah. Um yeah, that's yeah. their whole their whole thing is that they mm-hmm. are in love. And that's just been, you know, over and over again. It's just Yeah. <laughs> re explaining, re reinforcing <laughs> yes, the, these characters are a couple. I remember there was a day I think it was like a Valentine's Day thing oh, where they yeah. were listed among. And at this point, I was not. I we weren't allowed to talk. I about was it. not allowed to talk about it. But and they, but they I were think listed. Cartoon Network listed them on a as list a, as a list of couples on a list yeah. of couples. And I like almost mm-hmm. just broke into tears. Yeah, it, and it's hard to imagine now because we we're here. But at the time, yeah, I mean, and time. this is what was this twenty fifteen? Yeah, maybe twenty sixteen. Yeah. Maybe I. I'd, you know, because all the way back in 2014, we were trying to do this. I mean, that was, you know, all of it was just really difficult for me at the time because I wanted to be able to write about this. And I had to hide not only what was going on with these characters, but also myself as a bisexual person. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a lot of the stories that I write are based on people that I have loved and it's simple like it's not something that anyone should be afraid to show children because it's the same as anything and but to feel to hear it and be told to me directly like this is not okay made me realize how indirectly I'd been told that by everything I had absorbed as a child that Right. Systematically omitted this. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I learned this is not okay because it was not okay. And hearing it directly, I was like, everything clicked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I already knew that. I, and and it was a harm that was done. <laughs> like, and it, and it's it was like really a, harmful. Yeah, and it's a, it's a like a long harmful thing that we never wanted to keep that harm going for the generation of kids. Yeah who are going to be watching this show, which is why it was so important. You know, we want, we wanted to make sure that these characters got to be that example, you know, that, that they should get everything that like Mickey and Minnie Mouse get, Yeah, you know, right. that they should get right. everything that every other character that gets to have, their have a fairy tale love story, fairy, love story, There's fairy, fairy. They're two cute cartoons. They have yeah. a fairy tale. And, you know, love there's story. really, there should be no issue with that, and we saw no issue with that. But then, I guess the way that it—I uh, mean, there's you <laughs> the, know. the pushback that we got really kind of crystallized like how important this was. Yes, and the a lot of it is because this is airing in other countries. Many of these, many of which, this is completely not accepted at all. Mm-hmm. A lot of that, when it's translated, is changed. The dialogue has changed, but some of the places where it's not translated, they're airing the show in a G time slot. We're not we're not technically a G show, but it was explained to me often because this is going to air in a G time slot. Right. You can't do this. And that really. I mean, that's insane, because if you look at G rated movies for kids like throughout time, I mean, 
they're all about characters falling in love. Characters getting married. Characters right. getting characters married. kiss at the end. I mean, People kiss all the time. I mean, that's G-rated. <laughs> There's nothing more G-rated than, like, wholesome Than, love. like, a, a wholesome fairy tale yeah. love story. Yeah, yeah, that is G. So the idea you know, the, that the, like, Ruby Prince, and Sapphire's love wouldn't be G, wouldn't is, be just, G. Is, just, yeah. is just ridiculous. Um, And that really, that's the thing that really came into focus for me, is that this needs to be in G-rated material because as soon as you separate this out you see there's something inherently more adult about this that is just the root of the problem that is the the root yeah. of this fear and ignorance and hatred there is nothing that is and it's just more adults about yeah. this but you wouldn't know that because you have never exactly. seen this in g-rated yes. content and the the gravity of that <laughs> just really started to hit me and weigh on me because this is what you see as a child this is what you learn as a child and there's this push for inclusion and acceptance and everyone wants to do something about this, but it's all being directed at adults. We need to teach mm -hmm. children that this is okay. We need to teach children to be able to accept each other and themselves. And if you don't, they're going to grow up knowing that something is wrong and then they'll have to unlearn that as an adult. Yeah. That makes well, no sense I, to me. I mean, and, and you know, to go even deeper in on that, I think the thing that's really kind of funny and actually sort of ironic is that it's not really kids who you have to teach because no kid thinks that there's something inherently wrong about that picture. They think mm -hmm. it's wrong because maybe some adult told them, oh, you should think this yeah. is wrong. But no kid actually thinks that. And I think that when you're talking to kids, you are free to present the world in a way that you know just makes sense and they will they will understand that they don't have the baggage that an adult is going to have and the adult has that because this was not exactly you know when you don't you understand yes. things that you are introduced to as a child yeah. <laughs> that's exactly. if you do not understand it is to have, have grown up without being introduced to the very simple concept that this is mm -hmm. real and that and that these are people who deserve to have happiness and that's like yeah. it's just very basic mm -hmm. and you know <laughs> we are where we are right now but the struggle of getting there i think you know was very ridiculous we're here it's out the wedding has aired you know it's extremely moving for me to see that we finished it and we made it and we're in the future, but I can't stress this enough. This is so little compared to a hundred years of exclusively heteronormative content for kids. This is mm -hmm. nothing. This is time. Like the, like equality would be a hundred years of only weddings like this. That's not going to happen, but that would be balanced. So I really want right. people to feel the fire to have a little more of this because just one it's so big but it's also so small yeah and i think the most the most shocking thing for me was to as exciting as it is to do a lot of these things for the first time just to realize like oh no this doesn't exist they're like why does yeah. this not exist and then to find out why it doesn't exist and be like oh no that is so painful so mm -hmm. actively awful that children are growing up just internalizing 
you know, especially like LGBTQ kids are growing up learning that they don't belong in a family friendly world, that a a wholesome picture, they will never be there. That is not yeah. okay. That's not okay. You really pick that up. I can say it yeah. with a hundred percent positive, like, uh, like, you figure that out and you become afraid of your own feelings. You become afraid of your own self and it makes it difficult to function as a person when you can't experience just liking someone without becoming afraid of yourself. It, everything becomes difficult. Basic yeah. <laughs> interactions with people become difficult. It's like, it's something that I've never, um, the other thing about this show, I think, you know, the, the wedding is important. All, all of the extremely, uh, to, to, the wedding is important to me to showcase these characters just being happy and being in love. But the other thing I really want to impart with this show is just tools to deal with the kind of anxiety that comes from such an extreme form of self-doubt that is being put on you from the outside. Yes. You know, it's not just the, you know, couples. It's you as a person. Right. You need to be able to like things. <laughs> you need to be yeah. able to express yourself without being afraid that you're going to be in danger. There's a lot that needs to be done. There's a lot that needs to be shown. And I want to be really happy, but I feel I still feel like there's just so much work to do. I mean, at the right. end of the day, you know, there's, it's hard to say that, like, anything is solved. Um, yeah. And no, just... <laughs> no. There's so there's so much more to be done, which is why I before called it ridiculous, because this is barely anything, you know, in the grand scheme of things. We need to let kids know that that they're people and that yeah. they can have a dream of what a happy future could be that's the yes and, and that's the thing what, yeah when you see these wedding you when you know. see like a pretty disney wedding and you, you give what it gives you is like well first off i think there's a lot of reasons that uh, someone's singular dream shouldn't be like i'm gonna get married and then i'll be happy sure, but but, yeah. but, you, but at least you get to at least you get to have that like dream of like well this is what it could be like yeah. when i'm grown up and when i fall in love with someone and w yeah, our we wedding day and we can live happily, happily ever, after. ever after yeah exactly and it's like i think pretty much everybody deserves to have that and we're not saying right. that everybody should be pushed into you know believing that they deserve like a dream wedding or something the other but <laughs> like they should get the option to believe that that's something that they're included in yes yeah you guys also talked about like how you know this is a small step but it's been really cool seeing you know the outpouring of just fans uh responding to the this episode you know specifically you know the the kiss and everything and what it means to them what was it like seeing that from your end I mean, it's overwhelming. Yeah. Um, and I just hope people, people are excited, but they deserved this 20 years ago. You know, yeah. this, this, I'm so happy. It's such a, it's a really bittersweet it's, there feeling. There is a bittersweet feeling to it. Yeah. Where it's like, yes, but it's not enough. I get that we're happy about it, but you know, <laughs> people deserved it. I mean, we're seeing messages from adults who are like, this made me so happy, but they deserved it when they were kids. Like, they yeah. should have had it when they were six. I'm excited for, like, I, there was, at San Diego this year, there was this little kid. 
and I was drawing pictures and I was just like, who's your favorite character? Uh, and he was like, Garnet. <laughs> and I was like, oh, why do you like Garnet? Uh, and he was just like, she's so strong. She's so sure of herself. And he just told me all about Garnet. He just told me about her, you know, and mm-hmm. what she's like and and how he just looks up to her. And I, and the wedding had just aired. And he was excited. And it's just like, he's just talking about her relationship. Like it's a, mm-hmm. and and her as a person. And it's just he likes her as a character and that is just really you know amazing there's two sides there's there's i get to talk to people who are older who it means to them like what it means to me like just it feels so like we like we wish we had it when we were younger but then when i get to talk to kids they're just like i like these characters yeah we just like it and it's great yeah exactly yeah they're just taking you're just accepting it yeah the thing i love about this story too and this is sort of under everything else that is going on. But I really wanted to talk about a couple that had been together for a really long time before getting married, making that choice together, a really informed choice based on their history and how they feel about each other and then getting married. That's the other thing. That's one of the most exciting things to me, because when you do see these Disney weddings or these cute cartoon weddings, it's like these characters meet and two seconds later they get married. Like, And you <laughs> yeah. never actually see them talk about it. Like like the prince and Snow White, you know, he goes and he finds her. He kisses her while she's unconscious. Yeah, he yeah. picks her up when she's awake and then they're going to just go off like, and be together forever. Off, it's yeah. like, I would just, but I think it would be really interesting to get to see this conversation where it's just like we just met i think we have chemistry i'm interested in in you like and why like i want to hear about I why mean, you did what, yeah you did we get sang, me out of a magic curse but you we know, sang together at the well that was a moment exactly like that was interesting but we need uh, to discuss like whether we're really compatible like yeah what do you want in there, for? Yeah. yeah what do you want for your future yeah. like what are we gonna like that is really you know i want to i love them as characters as a couple because communication is so important to them they've been together for such a long time it doesn't mean that everything's perfect for them they still struggle but you know they're going to talk about it you know they're going to work it out and they've made a decision to stay together and even that was a little shaky until now when they were able to like really discuss like we want to know this is what we want i want to know this is what you want when we were working on the vows i I popped in the the lines about, um, you changed my life, I changed your life, we changed our lives. I think, you know, the the idea that they can grow individually and grow as a couple and inform each other and support each other. They're never threatened by each other if one of them gets stronger, if one of them is having trouble, like they, they work on it, they put work into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to see that. That's what I really wanted to see. And that's what their union is. You know, it's strong because they know each other. I know it's under all of the, um, all of everything else that's going on, but I am excited to represent a relationship that has that level of stability and commitment and really should we really break it down? I really wanted to break it down for kids. This is them making these choices. This is them discussing it. Ruby knows, like, I can't just decide this for Sapphire when she's not here. I have Mm -hmm. to go talk to her about it. Right, right. Okay, I, I have one more question. I want to know uh, if you guys have anything to say about what fans can look forward to next <laughs> in Steven Universe. <laughs> no spoilers. Uh. Yes, of course. <laughs> Never. Mm, yeah, I can't really. 
I mean, could you say he's that he's in the palace? That's he's fair. Gonna, yeah, he's in the he's in the palace. I now. mean, could you just could could you say that now that they've gone through this trial, you'll see basically them get tested in a new way um, <laughs> that we've <laughs> never seen before. That's a question. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're on. We're on homeworld. We're on homeworld. That's what, what does that mean? What to is them? that going to mean for everybody? Specifically, right? These gems who so much of their experience is defined by getting away getting from home away world. from home world <laughs> yes uh, what does it mean to go back there you know there's a lot to look forward to <laughs> yes yeah it's these are these episodes are huge i can't wait for people to see them yeah awesome thank you guys so much for coming on and talking to me thanks for having us the steven universe podcast is produced by stacy para charles abadje and conrad montgomery Special thanks to Rob Sorcher, Cartoon Network Studios, The Crewniverse, and Turner Studios in Atlanta. You can listen to the Steven Universe podcast for free on Spotify, Amazon, and Google Smart Speakers, and of course, Apple Podcasts. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode, and make sure to leave us a rating and review. I'm Mackenzie Atwood, and I'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>